Hello, welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel. I am your host, Sam Fain, and I am thrilled to be bringing you three exclusive interviews this week on a super show of sorts covering Secret History, the latest episode of Quantum Leap. That's episode 206, the sixth episode of the second season. Uh, and I am just delighted to be able to share the conversation that I had with Eliza Taylor, who plays Hannah Carson, in her first Quantum Leap-related interview. I do believe that there's probably one that aired on Access Hollywood already, but this was was recorded prior to that. This is legitimately the very first interview she gave related to Quantum Leap and the first she gave following the uh, agreement, the tentative agreement uh, ending the SAG after strike. So uh, I'm over the moon. It feels very validating to be able to have that. And I cannot express my gratitude enough to Drew Lindo, who also joins us, the writer of Secret History, because he is the one that helped to orchestrate all of this. And it was just such a thrill to be able to speak with him again. He's been on the show a few times. And of course, returning um, one of the very first guests associated with the new show to come on Fate's Wide Wheel, Dean Georgeris, executive producer and co-showrunner. So excited to have Dean back. Dean shares a lot of really wonderful information about the development of season two, what was happening behind the scenes as they were basically prepping season two while still in production on season one. Um, just a lot of excellent stuff, some of which we've already hinted at, even on, on Fate's Wide Wheel, uh, that the, the, the fandom has kind of been talking about. But to get some of the confirmations that he was able to offer through the course of this interview is pretty spectacular. Uh, Eliza shares some incredible stories, including the story of how she was cast as Hannah, which I found to be just, I don't know, it was incredibly honest and open and 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 fascinating to hear her process. Um, and I think you'll really enjoy that story as well as, of course, lots of stories about the production of Secret History specifically. Um, some wonderful stuff. So I don't want to talk too long before we get to all of that. But I did want to mention a couple of things right up front. First of all, if you're watching this, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button, like the video, leave a comment. It absolutely helps the show, helps the channel grow. And I certainly want to continue to do that. So please, please, please like, subscribe, comment if you can. Uh, also want to give a huge shout out, of course, to uh, uh, the partner of Fate's Wide Wheel Studio, JJ, JJ Lindell, who designed the beautiful new logo that you see, um, the banners that you see on all of the websites, as well as the incredible Secret History poster, which is integrated into the graphic for this episode of Fate's Wide Wheel. I cannot thank him enough for all of his work uh, and sharing his talents with the community. Head over to fateswidewheel.com. You'll find a link there over to the shop on Studio JJ, which you can order that print uh, of Secret History. You can order it on a t-shirt. It looks amazing on a t-shirt. Uh, you can also order Fates Wide Wheel associated uh, materials like hats, t-shirts, etc. Um, and there's some other really great stuff over there. And there will continue to be amazing prints and posters uh, as we continue to discuss a lot of other stuff, not just related to Quantum Leap, although Quantum Leap obviously will still be featured heavily on the show. Um, we're prepping an episode uh, celebrating the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who, which I am thrilled to do. I cannot wait. Uh, should be very, very exciting. Uh, we're going to be talking about the story of the Daleks, uh, which of course will be airing on November 23rd in honor of the 60th anniversary in a shortened, trimmed, uh, condensed, if you will, uh, colorized version. So uh, that's very exciting. We're going to actually record before we see that, but we've got lots of thoughts in general about the story, the history of Doctor Who, and uh, there'll be a, a, a poster reveal. And I think JJ might actually be working up something a little different from what you've already seen. So um, 
That'll be pretty cool. I uh, also want to give a quick shout out to Carol Davis. Carol Davis is a longtime supporter, uh, listener, watcher, or viewer of the show. Uh, Carol is also an author, uh, most known to the Quantum Leap community for authoring um, the final novel in the novel range, Mirror's Edge. Uh, Carol has a new collection of short stories available. So if you head over to Amazon.com, uh, do a search for Carol Davis, you'll find her short stories uh, over there uh, as well. Um, Carol's been fantastic, wonderful, um, just, you know, great, great friend of the show um and uh excited for her to to have published uh, some some new stuff so uh check that out um and 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 of course uh you know huge shout out over to quantum leap podcast they have some awesome stuff uh dropping uh right now as well so after you've checked this out feel free to head over and, and, and check out what they've got going on including an interview with drew and the director pamela romanowski i'm very much looking forward to uh seeing what she has to say myself um, also thrilled that uh, Caitlin Bassett will be joining Fate's Wide Wheel again. Um, she and I are going to have a conversation this weekend. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, so there'll be lots of stuff over Thanksgiving week for uh, for people, uh, especially subscribers of the YouTube channel. You'll get all those notifications first, um, and you can come over and, and watch all of the goodness coming your way. Um, head over to the Fate's Wide Wheel Patreon for an exclusive behind-the-scenes look into the creation of the Secret History poster by J.J. Lindell. Uh, you can subscribe at any tier, whether it's a dollar to $10, whatever, um, you will get access to that video and you will continue to get access to behind the scenes videos as we produce those, um, which I'm really looking forward to doing. It was very enlightening. I loved hearing about JJ's process. Um, you know, just his inspirations, his influences, um, and, and, and seeing the piece come together from that first kind of raw sketch all the way through to the finished product was so cool. I cannot recommend the video enough. Um, so it gives you the opportunity to support the show and check out a really cool video. You can do that over at the Patreon. Now, of course, as always, we have to make sure that we are setting right some wrongs out there in the world. So before you do any of that, before you visit the store, before you visit the Patreon, before you do any of that, make sure you're helping out in your community in any way that you can, whether that's uh, through financial donation or volunteering your time. Um, help the world at large. Uh, see beyond your community if you're able to. I will always, of course, recommend the Trevor Project and right now, especially Doctors Without Borders. The work that they are doing all the time is crucial, but right now in particular, they are doing some work that is frightening. And I think that they need as much support as they can possibly get because it's, it's, it's coming, unfortunately, in, in short supply from certain areas. So Doctors Without Borders will certainly always be um, a charity that uh, I support uh, personally. I've supported them for years now. Um, I think even before this podcast started, that's how long I've been supporting them. So Doctors Without Borders will always be uh, a charity near and dear to my heart that I that I'm willing to support, and and I feel like they they just do incredible work, uh, dangerous work sometimes, um, um, but but vital work. So uh, certainly help out if you can. Um, and if after all of that, of course, you are interested in supporting the podcast, by all means, please do. It helps. It allows me to do some uh, wonderful things, uh, some essential things like even buying this solid state drive, for instance, because one of my external hard drives uh, decided to crash on me and I nearly lost every single Fates Wide Wheel related raw file in the history of the podcast. 
that was a scary moment. But luckily, through your kindness, your donations, this is one of the things that I was able to purchase specifically for the show. Uh, so it's stuff like that um, that really helps to keep the show going and, and make sure that I don't lose things that we may want to revisit down the road. You never know. Uh, all right. I have talked long enough. Uh, it is time to get to the main event. We're going to head over now to the interview with Eliza Taylor. Drew Lindo and Dean Georgeris. I think you're going to enjoy this one. It was a lot of fun uh, and very enlightening. A couple of quick notes. Dean Georgeris had to leave um, about an hour, hour 10, hour 12 into the interview. Um, and we weren't able to do like really proper goodbyes, although there is kind of a goodbye. So he just kind of disappears. Uh, and Eliza had to do the same thing. Uh, her son was actually waking up and so uh, from nap time. And so she had to kind of jet. Uh, again, we, we did a goodbye, but it wasn't necessarily the proper goodbye that you would normally get. Drew and I got to talk for a little bit after that. He and I got some proper goodbyes in. Um, but that's what I've got for you all is this amazing, amazing interview with Eliza Taylor, Drew Lindo, and Dean Georgeris. I cannot thank them enough for joining Fate's Wide Wheel, and I am so glad that I get to share this with you. So in the meantime, enjoy, take care of yourselves, take care of one another, stay safe out there, and leap responsibly right into the Quantum Leap Super Show with Eliza Taylor, Drew Lindo, and Dean Georgeris. Hello, fellow travelers. Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel. I'm your host, Sam. And welcome, fellow travelers. Uh, I am joined uh, by, by three members uh, of the Quantum Leap team, and I am super, super excited uh, to have Dean Georgeris returning. Dean, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. It's good to have you back. Good to be able to be back. Yeah, right. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and then the writer of this week's episode, Secret History, Drew Lindo, returning as well. Drew, how are you? I'm feeling great. I'm happy to be here. It's always a pleasure. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being here. And um, with all due respect, gentlemen, uh, someone who I am probably most excited to have on the show, saving the best for last, is Eliza <laughs> Taylor, who plays Hannah Carson in Quantum Leap. Eliza, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, I well, you know, I asked you right before we started. Um, this is this is the first chance that you've gotten to talk about the show uh, um, due to the strike, right? Yes, it is. It's uh, yeah. We'll see how it goes. It's been a while since we <laughs> shot this, so I'm uh, you know, <laughs> I might need some help from Dean and Drew. <laughs> sure. Literally, literally um, shot it like two days before the first before the writer's strike so it's like it's that far it's like a different a different time and place literally it just was yeah the whole yeah 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 exactly it, i mean it does feel like a, a small lifetime ago for certain um you know speaking of which eliza i'll go ahead and start with you with the strike resolving and and being over and and now you can get back to work and you can do this sort of stuff how are you feeling how is it you know how does it feel that things have you know, gotten not necessarily back to normal, but certainly, you know, things are open and running again. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a big relief. It's really, it, I mean, I'm so happy for, um, both our unions. Um, uh, we, you know, the industry has obviously changed so much and we needed a fair contract to reflect that. And, um, and, Gosh, I'm just so excited to get back to work. I've had an amazing um, six months with my little boy and my husband, which, you know, was really special. But, yeah, time to get back out there, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, I noticed, uh, I believe uh, you posted an Instagram reel. Um, you have a, a, an appearance coming up, don't you, at, at, at like a convention? 
I do. I do. I'm going to, uh, to Utrecht, um, or Amsterdam, uh, is where I'm landing and I'm doing Dutch Comic-Con. So I'm really excited about that. That's super cool. Um, I, 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 I don't know if, if they'll have seen the quantum leap episodes yet unfortunately i don't know dean do you, do you know if they're they'll have seen them over there I, I keep track of where we are <laughs> you would think, you would think that i would know but they the studio sort of you know they sell it all over the world they don't necessarily tell us where and when right i'll be sure to report back I'm sure. I'm sure that there are some industrious folks that have probably already seen them by by some measure or, or not. Uh, um, but uh, I, I I hope that goes well. It sounds like again to be able to get out there again and talk about you know doing what you love as well as of course doing it um, has got to feel like such a, a wonderful relief. And certainly in light of getting a fair contract as well, um, it's got to feel good. Yeah, it feels amazing. I'm yeah. It's been really uh, interesting doing uh, comic cons and not being able to talk about any show. So right. we've been getting a lot of food questions, uh, a lot of <laughs> <laughs> if you could, you know, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? That that sort of thing. It's been like our panels have been super interesting, but I'm excited to talk about TV and doing what we love for sure. Yeah. Um, Dean, I'll, I'll ask you real quick. Uh, how does it feel now that, that, you know, you could start actually filming a show again? I know that you've been working, you know, writing and other production elements have certainly been in motion, but now you can get in front of a camera again. Yeah. Well, I can get, I can stay behind the camera. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, I mean, you know, we'll start filming on the 27th. I, I think we're all anxious eagerly awaiting that day you know i mean it, the way the strikes happened it, it there wasn't really a proper sort of goodbye or pause at the end of the season because we really weren't sure when the when the strike would be called and then it was actually called instantly um you know and crew becomes family and you're also so you're excited to work with them you're excited to see them you know you're excited that people can go back to making a living and it's been fun to sort of rediscover the work, you know, cause we were away from it for a while. And, yeah. uh, and I've been, I think all of us in the room have been anxiously awaiting getting these episodes out to the audience, particularly as the season progresses. I think we really, we're all really happy with season two. Um, so that part's been great. It's also yeah, rare I, for I us can to imagine. I mean, I was say, it's also rare for us to have had like been able to stop and then have eight completed episodes to digest at once before you know like when we came back like all of them were done our post team had finished all of them you know so usually it's you're just going at that speed of putting track in front of the train as episodes are airing but we could actually sit and and sort of digest all eight completed episodes before we went back to, to 9 to 13 so that's also very cool for the creative process because you really are aware of like you know, the strengths and, and, and the adjustments that you're making to the story, because you're seeing it written for the third time, right? The page, the set, and then in the edit. And we have all that information now, which is pretty cool. You, you practically read my mind, Drew. I was literally getting ready to ask you about, you know, having, having had the episodes and, and been able to kind of sit with them for a while. But, but to add to that even, um, 
you know, to come back now and be working on nine through 13 while you still have, of course, you know, six, seven and eight yet to air and six being, you know, the episode that you wrote, um, you know, what's the excitement level been in the writer's room and for you personally to be back and writing and working while still having, you know, some episodes that were indeed filmed so long ago waiting to air for, for the audience. I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. I mean, I've, I've been very excited for this episode to arrive because I, I just feel like it was made for it to be like a, a giant, you know, ball of delight. But I think also there's a momentum that this point in the season is starting to get into with six, seven, and eight that is very exciting. It feels like the first half of the season, Ben's going through this really emotionally charged breakup and this loss of time and, you know, his, his whole life is blown up and we played the honest emotional reality of that for him and for, um, for Caitlin's character. So now this section of the season is really designed to be like Ben's journey back into the light and this new, this new chapter for him. And so we have like that with the episodes that you're about to see in the coming weeks, but also for us as writers, we have the momentum of what comes beyond and, and where we're headed with the season and what Dean and Martin came up with this year for the story we're telling is really exciting and really emotional. And um, so there's a, there's a sense of momentum and like, and real, narrative of buildup that we're working with right now that I cannot wait for people to see realized. Yeah. Um, Dean, you know, speaking of which, you know, the season starts obviously with this huge paradigm shift and there's been this three year time jump for the folks back at the project. Um, Addison's moved on. Ben's been declared dead as an audience. You know, we've had now, five, six weeks to sit with that and to, and Mm -hmm. to see where that has gone through the course of these episodes. Um, did, did you feel like with, especially with like episodes three and four, there was, you, you know, um, not necessarily a need, but that a, this natural progression that was able to resolve a lot of those big emotional, uh, uh, you know, narrative points that had been set up in that first episode. And now, as Drew said, you can kind of move on into a little bit of different territory. Yeah, when we, when Martin first pitched the idea of the time jump. Um, There were two or three sort of storylines that suggested themselves. Um, The first being the Ben Addison, what would happen between them, the the breakup, if you will. Um, And then that suggested a Tom character. And then it also gave birth to the character of Hannah. And I know this is airing after 206. which is so nice because now people understand that that there's more to her than meets the eye, but she's not a time traveler. Like, she's yeah, not, you know, um, so I think to answer your question, three and four were always kind of designed in our minds to be, we need to get this stuff out. You know, I mean, like normally when you break up with someone, you don't keep working with them. <laughs> like, right. like, and also you normally don't have one of you has experienced no time. So <clears throat> it, you know, we didn't want to drag that out. Um, and I don't, you know, you don't want to see people fighting over and over again. You don't want to see them saying the same thing. I mean, one of the challenges after the first season was really like, if you really stopped and thought about it, like how much longer were you going, were we going to play I'm sorry I didn't make it home this leap at it. Oh, it's okay, honey. Like that just to us, I think it felt like it was worth the risk to try to expand the storytelling this way. Like obviously whenever you break apart your two leads, that's a scary thing to do. Um, But it 
quickly opened up so many possibilities um, for the characters, for the performers, and for the writing room. Like it, it, to me, it ended up. I think it was a win-win-win, uh, even though there may be risk involved. And and ultimately, for the greater story, you know, I mean. There's no love story if there's no obstacles. I mean, like this, and we can't just keep going with the same obstacle. Yeah, so. right. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things that I, I noticed in particular once we got to 205, One Night in Koreatown, is that it, it seemed as though by moving past those first four episodes and, and being able to get through that character arc uh, for, for Ben and Addison, that it, it opened us up in this wonderful way to play with these character arcs for everyone, which had been ongoing in those first four episodes as well. But it felt like 205 really focused in on the fact that like we can tell all of these different stories about, you know, this entire cast this wonderful cast that we have as opposed to being restricted to you know this myth arc or you know the just ben and addison and yeah. whatnot and 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 surprisingly enough the episode does not like crumble under the weight of all of that and and, and it, it, you've got this wonderful ensemble can you talk a little bit about and, and drew feel free to hop in on this as well the um you know the way that you navigate that path with so many characters and so much going on well, I think you're looking for opportunities. You know, you've got, you map out your season <clears throat> and, and I'll, I'll talk more about the character of Hannah in a second, because I think the whole journey of when we thought her up, auditioning Eliza, like that, the, the whole story is worth, is worth hearing. Um, but you know, you map your season out and we kind of had a, we had an understanding of what Ben was going to be going through. And then we sort of understood what Addison was going to be going through and when, and then we were adding Hannah to that triangle um, and Tom making it a quadrangle. And we sort of saw there were going to be, besides in every episode where we can now have actual character drama because three years have passed and they all have, are mourning the loss of Ben, we, we saw we had a few episodes where we were going to basically be able to just, I say just, we were going to focus on the leap, but we were going to learn much more about the characters that the audience had grown to love back at the HQ. Um, and, you know, we like, we're, we're always looking for those opportunities as writers. You just, you, what you don't want to do is force them. You know, you don't want to do the like, oh, uh, like, oh, the car broke down and no one else is around. So I guess <laughs> in the accelerator this week. Um, but it's, it's been, it's been exciting to get to hand the actors material that was, a, you know, a little different than what they did last year, you know, that particularly back at the HQ, they had to play exposition all the time, which as Eliza can tell you as an actress like that, it's not, it's, I mean, it's not bad, but it's just, it's, it's one dimensional. Um, and also, you know, I mean, like, how, I want to see Ben Song going through some things. I want, I want people to know that it hurts to, to lose someone to time travel. You know, it's, yeah. It's really hard to dramatize an absence. Like we had all of season one and it's, oh my God, Ben's gone. Oh my God, Ben's gone. But none of us really feel that. Do you know what I mean? Like there's no real impact. You're not seeing an impact. And yeah. this way with the time jump, we can dramatize absence and we do it by literally creating a loss. Like, what was it like? He died. Oh my God, he died. What did that do to magic? 
you know, it pushed him across a barrier and he, you know, he turned alcohol. Like, what did it do to Jen? What did you eat? You're going to find out. Um, so, sorry, that's a long-winded answer. Right. No, it's great, though. I mean, that, that, that's a... appropriately. <laughs> I think I think, you know, one of the, the, the joys of, of having you all here is that, yes, you know, I want to talk, obviously, about secret history. But at the same time, there's, you know, there's a lot to catch up on. And yeah. uh, and one of those things, of course, you mentioned, you know, the introduction of new characters. And, uh, you know, we get both Hannah and Tom. And I want to talk about Tom a little bit more later, just because of, of mm -hmm. uh, his impact on, on secret history. But let's just jump right to Hannah and talk about the genesis of the character and the decision to bring her in. So once we had the time jump, you know, one of the reasons behind it was we wanted, we wanted Ben to be able to have some kind of connection in during a leap. Because if you think about it, Ben is always having connections, but not as himself. Like, and, and he never sees the same people again. And if you stop and really think about that, what a strange nomadic existence that is. And um, we, you know, we wanted to see, see Ben have these connections, have these feelings. And so, um, first thing of the time jump was realizing we could split Addison up and this, the very second thing was, was this notion of Hannah. And since we're after episode six, I think it's safe to say the audience at least is starting to understand that Hannah plays a role, maybe that you don't expect because you're so used to leaper X's. And you're so used to sort of twists and turns. It's like, well, no, but there are people who are actually living their life and they're living their life through this time continuum. And what if you happen to encounter an individual who by her nature, and then we can go into why she is the way she is, but by her nature, and it's very important to her character, she has this ability to see beyond the generally accepted rules. Right. I think you get a sense of it in three and you certainly get a sense of it in six. And I and I think it's Hannah's superpower. You know, like we all take these things for granted. And the truth is, most of this stuff is wrong. Like once upon a time, we all thought the world was flat and we were sure. You know what I mean? So Hannah, we introduced and wrote it so beautifully. You know, I love that it takes her a beat to process the time travel of it all. But it's not like give me 50 examples. I still don't believe you. It's, it makes perfect sense because some part of Hannah intuitively has always known that there's more going on than meets the eye. And, and that really appealed to all of us because it's kind of one of the things we wanted to say about Quantum Leap as a show and as a technology. Like, there's so much more that could be going on here. Um, and so very, very early on, circumstances were such that I decided I would write a letter from Hannah to another character on our show. Um, and I'll just leave it at that. Um, and it sort of became for me, like uh, the, I, once we, I, we did that letter, I kind of knew, and I think we as a room understood her whole arc, which was really fun because it's neat to, as a room, write a character among several writers and feel like when you look at it as a whole, you're like, yeah, it feels as if it was written by one person. I mean, I remember mm. reading Drew's script and thinking oh, like this, this like he's got the voice exactly right. Um, <laughs> it was just, well, it, yeah, helped. It, it, it helped that Dean had written yeah, by letter, but also Dean had written, 
you know, there were, we should talk about the, the audition process that, that Eliza absolutely crushed. Oh, right. because there were like three huge permutations of her character. So there were like three different sides that, that, that Dean wrote that was to capture the, like, you know, the complexity of who she was. Eliza, do you want to talk about what, what you were, uh, what you just did so exquisitely in, when you were reading for the park? Cause it was, she has multiple incarnations that kind of come across in, in those sides that were like super clear to everybody. Let me, let me set the stage. Let me set the stage for her. So <laughs> we actually did this part was important enough that we were, we did chemistry reads and mm. we did them in person because COVID had waned. And so we had a list of like, we sort of narrowed it down to four or five actresses who we absolutely loved. None of whom, we were like, none of them are going to do this. Like they're all, too, right? like, <laughs> and we got to do four chemistry reads in person. And Eliza was, I, I were you in Hawaii? Were you in Australia? I was in Hawaii. <laughs> so, so the most amazing thing was, and she did her chemistry read with Ray via Zoom. Wow. Um, but they, you know, I, I'll say this and then, sorry, I'll let Eliza talk, but again, it, by the time we get to the end of the season, I think you'll see how many different qualities Hannah has to have in order to believe the story we tell. And, uh, I just, I think we all just saw Eliza and Ray on that zoom and, and I remember Martin. And I were like, again, we were like, you think she's going to say yes? Like, oh, she's not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you all are making my job easy uh, answering questions before I even ask them. But yes, Eliza, please, I would love to hear about the casting process and, and, and what it was like, and especially doing a chemistry read over Zoom. I think yeah. that that's, I mean, that's fascinating. Yeah, it was, um, you know, it, for me personally, it was a really, uh, it was a strange time. I was I my I was living in Australia, um, and I had a, I was looking after my little baby, and um, I hadn't worked in like a year. And I was doing auditions, and I was in a bit of a slump, and I was feeling a little bit like, do I know? Do I remember how to do this? You know? Mm. Um, and I, I met with my manager right before I'd gotten the Quantum Leap audition but I hadn't done it yet. Um, and obviously we do everything by self tape these days. And, um, and so, uh, my manager just said, I don't know who this is, but you, uh, you've lost your confidence. You've lost that get up and go. <laughs> he was like, he was like this next audition. I don't care what you have to do. Just really like consider the character, really look at your, your hair, your makeup, work it with Bob, who's my husband and is always my scene partner and just go and smash it like you always do. And so I went into this audition with a determination that I, I hadn't had in a really long time. I was like, okay, um, who is this woman? And she was so fabulously written, even though I had dummy sides, I think, right? Um, it wasn't. Yeah, it, they were, I, mean, I think, I can't remember. We, it was tricky I think you, because we, yeah. we wanted to, we wanted to see different both colors. Friends. And we hadn't written the, all the scripts yet. So we kind of mm. had to kind of had to just, it's fine. I mean, listen, writing the character of Hannah, that's a wonderful character for all of us to get to write. Yeah. So yeah. We wrote, we wrote some, 
dummy sides, if you will, starting with the idea that her name is a palindrome. I think that was the very first. That's right. Answering another one of my questions. yeah, but so I, I went I went into um to film this self tape um and I I was just I, you know I felt like I knew her and I felt a very similar determination to her in the 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 scenes that I was doing and I, I guess that came through because um a few weeks later I I had the chemistry read and I was so nervous especially knowing that there were three other women who were up for this role who um we're going to be in person. I just went, well, it's probably not going to be me this time, you know? Um, but there was, there was instant chemistry and it really, something did click, um, via zoom somehow. And, um, and I got off and I, off the zoom and I went, you know, I think, I think I might have it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and here we are. Yeah, I you know it's funny because there's actually a moment in episode two hundred two, um, Ben and Teller, where uh, we see Ben on the screen and Addison is watching the screen, and I and I remarked at the time I was like, it's amazing that they're able to like connect through the screen, you know, without being in the same room to one another. So to hear that 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 was possible in real life um, uh, is is fantastic. I, I love hearing that, and I think that from the first moment that, you know, I saw Hannah, it it was, it was funny because it took me a split second to be like, okay, is that, I mean, that's her, but is that her? Like, is this, is this how it's happening? Because it's, it's a very kind of unassuming introduction, which I think was really smart. But then of course, like the minute you start talking to, to bed, it's like, oh (laughs) yeah, that that's definitely her because it's just so lovely. And it was, you know, I mean, throughout the course of that episode in, in closure encounters, there were just so many wonderful moments that uh, I know I couldn't wait for more. And I was, I mean, I was sold right away. Um, sorry. I, I do have to go back though, Dean, you, you mentioned her name being a palindrome and I don't imagine, I don't know if there's anything more to it. And if there is, I don't imagine you're going to tell me, but I just have to at least ask you because it was something that I noted, like, on, on Twitter on my watch along and like nobody commented on it at all. And I was kind of like, well, but it's obvious her name's a palindrome. So can you talk about that at all? Yeah. I mean, look, first of all, I think we tried about three or four different names for her. Like the name changed for a while. Um, and then like we all draw, I think when we build a character, we draw on people we know, but we also draw on characters who have made an impression on me. There was actually a character in a Jason Matthews um, book, who's actually an espionage book. There was a character named Hannah Archer, who I thought had some qualities that this Hannah had or this character had. So I was like, oh, Hannah. And I was like the name Hannah. Um, (laughs) And so it just, you know, then it just so happens it's a palindrome. And immediately it made sense that, oh, she's the kind of person who would remark on that. So in the audition sides. I don't know that it was, it did, it's not you know, on the air, but in the audition sides, she talks a little bit about the fact that her name's a palindrome. Nice. Um, so uh, Eliza, I, I, I have to know, I mean, I am unabashedly probably one of the, you know, biggest Raymond Lee fans right now. I just love his work. <laughs> I think he's fantastic on the show. And I, I say this completely honestly, that he's probably one of my favorite actors, you know, not just because of Quantum Leap. I just love his work so much on the show. Can you talk a little bit about that Zoom 
reading with him and just what that was like. Had you ever met him before? Was that the very first time that you'd ever, you know, encountered him? That was the first time that we met. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but I, we have a mutual friend, um, Chris Larkin, who, uh, I worked with for like seven years on the hundred and, um, and he always talked about how wonderful Ray was and, um, they'd done some theater together. Uh, mm. and so when I got on the zoom, I was like, Oh, I, you know, um, you know, Chris and, um, and we had a nice, a, a nice little, um, chat there. But, um, when we got into the, into the scenes, um, there's something about Ray where you immediately feel safe. You know, you feel like, um, he's one of those actors that's very giving, um, and, and holds a really safe space for you to play in. And that's like, that's the dream. That's what, that's all you can ask for really, um, from a scene partner. And, uh, and yeah, I, and I got that straight away. So, and I have been getting that ever since. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I love, I love hearing that. Um, I, I mean, it definitely comes across. I can, it's not hard to imagine that being, that being the case. Um, so Drew, you know, Dean mentioned earlier, uh, you know, that, that in seeing your writing on secret history and, 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 you know, writing Hannah, that it was very easy for him to just be like, yeah, that's, that's Hannah. Um, can you talk a little bit about the process of writing the character and, and, and was it easy for you? And, you know, and, and, and kind of hearing that from Dean, was it just sort of like, yeah, I, I know the character or, or was that kind of a surprise? You were just sort of like, oh, okay, good. I got it right. <laughs> Yeah, I would say that I had two big tools in the toolkit for this episode. One of them was, you know, again, there were like three different audition sides that were written that showed sort of Hannah's intellectual side, her, you know, romantic side, um, some of the pathos of it, like things that she, you know, just different emotional colors to play that I'd seen Eliza play from the audition. So like you're getting... And then we and then when we got to cast Eliza, I was like, "This is great" because I've worked with Eliza in the past. We worked together in the Hundred, in a very different character. You know, Clark and Hannah could not be more different. Right. <laughs> but I'd seen her do, you know, the words that Dean had written, and then also some of these materials Dean mentioned earlier that he'd written from her character's point of view. So you have both of those things. That's already a huge advantage in terms of who the person is that you're trying to write for. But what was really exciting was that the episode was a reintroduction of the character. So we, we meet her in this sort of unassuming peripheral state in 203 and 206 is designed to be like her real, you know, unveiling to the story and to Ben. So, so that's an opportunity for me as a writer. And I remember something Dean told me when I started working on the story was because every week Ben meets somebody who has a dream or, or an obstacle or something that's really um, in history has, you know, gotten them down or defeated or destroyed them and that Ben's going to help them overcome and something Ben uh, that, that Dean said at the beginning was she's not she's not downtrodden. Like we know she's a woman in the scientific academic world that is completely male dominated, but she's not. She's amazing. She's not downtrodden. So just that little instinct helped me quite a bit because it was like, okay, so what if instead of it being a person who's desperately in need of help, it's somebody who actually is not is it has an you know an indomitable spirit and doesn't know that she's going to lose. She doesn't know that her history is going to be. Mm -hmm. um, doomed to some degree she's going to be held back she believes she's going to break through and we've all been there what eliza spoke about in her audition process it's the same thing with any artist there are points in your career where you're like 
I thought I was going to do something great with my life, but I'm not sure it's going to actually go any farther than this or, you know, and that became very personal, you know, for me as well as an artist where you, you're, you all have moments of doubt where you don't know what's going to happen or, or where it's going to go. So that gave it a beautiful quality to the story, right? That Ben and the audience knows Hannah's future is not as bright as she believes, but we love her because she's still chasing it. She knows the odds and she's going for it and she's not deterred. So that really gave a great, you know, a great framework. And then also I think when I got to the first scene of the Stellarator in the pocket watch, I was like, she's playful. Like she's fun. <laughs> she's, she's, there's a, a mischievous quality to her, you know? And so all those things came together in a, in a real way. And then at, at the end of the story, like what we were building to that felt extremely personal to me was the dynamic of a finite romance, you know, the feeling of a train leaving a station. I've been in those situations where you meet somebody and you know, for one reason or another, you're not going to have a lot of time together. And it supercharges your time in a way. It, it feels very vital and very intimate, very immediate. So this feeling of like at the end of the episode, once that secret's out, there's a sense of, of not wanting it to end was again, super personal and very relatable. So I would say it was, it was a joy to write. I had so much support and so many great resources and so many great people to work with on it. And then the only thing better than writing was watching it be filmed because seeing Eliza <laughs> bring her to life in such a way and find humor and wonderful little moments of pathos that I didn't even expect. Like it was just, it was just a dream come true. So it was, I had everything I needed, I would say. I, I, I mean, I certainly think so. Having witnessed the episode uh, now a, a few times, it's, uh, I think that's absolutely true. Um, to go back just a little bit, can you talk a, a bit about just kind of breaking this episode and, and, and what, especially again, with the first five, you know, being a little heavier and, and, and having all of this, you know, character drama that kind of has to be resolved. And then of course we get one night in Koreatown, which, you know, does this amazing stuff with magic, but also has a very, you know, a very different, a little bit heavier kind of story element and plot to it as well. So coming off of all of that, what was it like when secret history was in its, you know, its infancy and, and, and just, you know, being thought up uh, as opposed to kind of having a plan for where you were going to go with it. Well, the, the cool thing about doing episodes of Quantum Leap is also the hard thing about doing episodes of Quantum Leap, which is it can be anywhere at any time. So you have to pick something really special, you know, cause you, you know, you only write so many episodes a season. So I think every writer on the show is like, what's my, which one's going to be mine and where am I going to, where, where in time to pick. And we have this board full of, you know, things we want to get to or try at some point. One of those was definitely like an indie style adventure for Ben, but that is not the most producible idea in the world. You know, we don't have <laughs> sets, we don't, like it's just not super producible. Uh, and then also separately, I'd been really interested in exploring Operation Paperclip in the show because it is a piece mm -hmm. of American history a lot of people don't know about and, and I wanted to get into it. And then somewhere in that world, I started looking into Princeton in the 50s and Einstein and, and Matterhorn and fusion and all this stuff that was going on in one place. And that, that sort of crystallized for me that like I could bring both of those elements into a story taking place at, in Princeton, which would be a really rich, interesting, cool point in history, especially for Ben, it'd be a place he'd want to go, which is not always the case. A lot of times we're playing the fish out of water of, oh no, I'm in this situation. I have no you know preparedness, but to see right. Ben go somewhere he would love to visit and be surrounded by his heroes and so much it felt very much like my college experience, like going to film school was like, I can't believe I get to make movies with my <laughs> friends. This is amazing. You know, so what, what yeah. it gave was a great context for an episode. But when I realized it was going to be a Hannah episode, it was like, 
this is the most fun, romantic possible adventure I could put these two characters in that would bring them together, that would let them bond over things that they love. They love Einstein. They love the math, you know, the, the romance of physics and all these things that, you know, there's no better thing to celebrate than the things you love. It's much better than the, the things you hate. So it just became a great, it was something that was fun, but it was also like really germane to the point in the season. It was less response to what we'd done and more just like a great vehicle for what we needed to do. That's it. Yeah. It's, you know, one of the things that I, I said in, in kind of, you know, hyping it up a little bit on social media is, is it, it feels kind of like this, this sort of exhalation after, you know, what we've gotten from the first five episodes. And the amazing thing about it is, is just timing wise with the strike ending with, you know, which is where we are at the time of year, it being everything, it kind of just fits perfectly that it really does feel like this great exhale in a lot of ways and and there's and the history as you mentioned is fantastic you know there's there's lots of great humor um you know there, there's certainly uh heart and 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 there's hope i mean you hit all those four h's that, that deborah uh, holds so dear which is awesome um you mentioned too ben's kind of just joy in being in this situation I remarked to you off mic that my, this might be the first time that we've gotten that since the second episode of the series Atlantis when he's on the space shuttle. You know, this might be the first leap that we've seen Ben being really excited about. So can you talk just a little bit about getting the chance to do that as opposed to some of these fish out of water things? I'll just yeah, I mean, and say, please, exactly the reason for something like the time jump is exactly mm. Mm. because there's like there's only so much genuine joy he can experience if it's like, oh, right, honey, I've broken your heart. And you're still <laughs> um, that's all I wanted to say. It's like, it's, but not by, it's not, that's by very much by design. Getting to see the genuine moments is very much by design. But how Drew pulled it off is that's its own, you, you'll have to tell you that magic. <laughs> well, I mean, I, to be fair, like, I, you know, the, the fish out of water thing is where we get a lot of our dramatic tension. It's, it's, it's a great part of the show. I think what we, what we are playing with every season is like, when do we zig instead of zag a little bit? You know, when is someone else in the imaging chamber? When is something a little bit different? So this was just a way to, to do something a little bit different because it's, it's fun to see Ben be somewhere he's not really prepared for. That's part of the fun of the show. This was just something where it, for a personal episode, <laughs> where let himself, let someone get to know the real him. It also fit with like, let's send him somewhere he would, feel at home. Like he would feel at home. It's like if you're a big Elvis fan and you get to record with him or go to Graceland, it's like, that's a great moment for you to be in your element with somebody else and to bond over a shared passion like physics and, and science. So it, it yeah, it's, it, it, it serves the story that we're telling now. And I'm not, I, I, I you know, it wouldn't want to be the same way every, every time because it's fun to put him in, in different situations. But this one was like, it just felt like the right story to tell and a really, and we're also always hunting for a world that is exciting for an audience to go to. So you can make Princeton exciting, exciting for non-science nerds. If you add, you know, secret rooms and chambers. And sword fights. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll get to we'll get to that a little bit more in a second. But I want to pivot over to Eliza for a moment and, and talk a little bit about kind of just developing the character of Hannah as an actor. And and certainly one of the things that I mean anyone who's who's listening and anyone who's aware of, of who you are prior to Quantum Leap is that you know you have a dialect that you have to assume for this show. But one of the things that I found fascinating about your dialect in the show is that it it, it feels at once like Yes, I mean, that's an American dialect, but it also feels a little classic. It doesn't just feel like somebody who walked in, you know, off the street today. Can you mm -hmm. talk a little bit about your work with that, but but just also in general, kind of like, you know, building Hannah and your approach to the character? Yeah, um, it's funny. I actually, uh, in my 
chemistry rate. I, I went a little too hard on the uh, old timey uh, 1940s <laughs> accent and Dean and Martin were like, can you just, you just reel it back a little bit? Um, so it's funny you mentioned that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't actually do that in my original audition. It was something that when I got these new sides um, for the chemistry read, I went, ooh, it's something I just, um, something about that dialogue just, it, it clicked me into 1940s um, America. But um, I uh, developing Hannah is, I mean, she's a dream character and I, you know, I've come from playing very, very dramatic roles. Um, a lot of blood, sweat and tears, um, you know, uh, in my previous work. So there's something so beautiful about, uh, about Hannah. Um, I think she, you know, Dean kind of, Andrew have said it all. It's, you know, she just thinks differently. She sees the world in a very unique way. And, um, but she's also, it's, that's not something that bogs her down. It, it gives her this perspective that's so different and she, and she has fun with life. She, she, she doesn't, it's like, she doesn't see this lifetime as, um, the, a, a beginning, middle end, you know, she, she sees the possibility of, um, of uh, living a life beyond that and um that makes her really playful and that makes her really you know have fun with her surroundings and um it's a joy and it's you know there's just there's some really beautiful moments and really comical moments as well that I've gotten to play with and there's a lightness to her that I just adore so yeah, being able to bring all that to life and kind of, you know, and, but also it's really um, interesting to be playing a character um, through different points of her life. So I've had to think about that as well. You know, um, when we first meet her, she's a real, you know, she's a young lass who's, um, you know, trying to figure out what she's going to do with her future. And then when we see her again, she's matured and she's got a little bit more, um, kick and you know class and she's you know she's she's feisty and uh and i you know i'm trying to as we go along i'm trying to bring different things to her because you know she's aging and she's um evolving so that's really interesting to play with episode to episode for sure yeah i mean it, it it's definitely something that I picked up on, um, you know, and, and just kind of knowing the conceit of the character ahead of time, even it's like, what a unique journey for an actor to take because, you know, yeah, you're not necessarily getting that same sense of progression that you often find in other work. You're, you know, you are getting these little snapshots. Um, how much of that do you think, you know, from your perspective, because obviously your, your number one scene partner through all this is, you know, is, is Ben, is Ray. And so like in that respect, you know, what's it like to, to kind of shift? And obviously, you know, secret history is, is certainly the, the biggest picture that we get of Hannah thus far, but, you know, shifting from, you know, the waitress in New Mexico to, you know, being the, the assistant and researcher at, at Princeton and now having knowledge of who Ben really is, um, you know, how did, how did that kind of shift your perception of the character and, and specifically again, you know, working directly with, with, 
that one character, how does that kind of affect the way that, you know, that that progression might, might take place? Can you break that question down for me and just like, yeah, uh, if I can, <laughs> I don't know if I'll be able to, but I'll try. So, uh, uh, no, it's okay. The, the idea of, you know, as you mentioned, like, you know, going through these small snapshots of the character and mm. the way that we see Hannah as viewers is that oftentimes, you know, I mean, almost all of your scenes are with Ben. And so knowing that you have this kind of touchstone, um, you know, as an actor, as well as as the character, I'm curious how that might affect um, that that journey, that progression. I see what you mean. Yeah. I mean, okay, I, cool. I'm glad, yeah. glad somebody does. <laughs> <So sorry. laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> it was a weird question. <laughs> um, no, yeah. So I, I think that, um, I mean, obviously in the very first episode that we meet Hannah, um, uh, her interaction with Ben changes the course of her life. Um, and, and so coming across him again, 10 years later, um, however many years it is, I think it's 10, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then, you know, discovering who he is, who he really is, the real Ben, um, uh, it's it's hard for that not to um, completely change the course of her life again, you know. She now knows that this thing is possible. She now knows that um, something that she's probably theorised about um, in her many studies of, you know, physics and time and space um, is real and... You know, I think that's definitely something that we're going to see throughout the series, how that affects her and the way that she, um, you know, interacts with the world. The other cool thing is from the episode is you're, you're seeing her, you know, the, what Eliza's playing so beautifully is she's interacting with Professor McCoy and then there's these little grace notes in her performance of familiarity, of deja vu, of, of a, a spiritual familiarity. And so that's a really cool element of the episode, right? We wouldn't have that. If we didn't have 203, we wouldn't have that color to play here, right? Of uh, something that feels familiar, but can't be explained until you get to that moment. And so that was something really fun to see on set is like where we're really drawing out those moments that feel like she's onto it or not, or, or throwing it away and can't be that, you know, and those moments really sell the episode. Like that scene in the hallway between the two of them, when he knows her last name or first name, you know, there's that moment where she, you know, like, have we met before? And it's and it's such a great moment because yeah. a, it's how she's playing it, and b, it's how Ray is responding. You see how deeply he is yearning for someone to recognize him and to know him and to connect with him, and he can't because it's against the rules. And and it's, you know, the, the long form of storytelling we get to do this season is a real gift because you're you're getting to earn these moments as we get to them moment by moment and episode by episode. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I've really, really enjoyed uh, about these first six episodes is that I, I feel like it, the focus genuinely feels more on the characters than ever before. And, and, and that's not to say in the first season we didn't get to know who these people were, but there was also a lot of other stuff going on, you know, and, and a lot of other questions and, you know, trying to figure out, like, why did Ben leap and what is going to happen next? And, and I think with this season, the lovely thing is, is that there's been 
you know, less question of, uh, well, what does this mean or what does that mean? And, and more a question of who these people are and what, you know, what they're going to do about the situations they find themselves in. Um, and of course, you, you know, I, I don't want to give short shrift to the other new character because we do get another new character. Dean, can you talk a little bit about um, Tom? And, you know, and certainly I, I want to get to you, Drew, as well, because I think you do some really lovely stuff with him. But I'll start with you, Dean. And, and can you talk a little bit about the genesis of that character? Um, for yeah. the season, you know, we again, it's it, absence is really hard to dramatize. So, if Addison were single, even if she were heartbroken, it would not play the same. We would not have the same drama to play. We needed we we want to give her someone, and and um, you know, we we had some basic ideas like we wanted to be true to Addison as a character. You know, like Addison, Addison wouldn't pick a bad guy. Like, like Addison wouldn't pick a, you know, a jerk. Addison, she probably had her bad boy phase when she was like 18 or whatever. <laughs> like she's clearly out of that. And so, and I don't think she would pick a Ben Song clone either, you know? So, yeah. so in a lot of ways we started defining Tom, making sure like the box of, that he fit in actually became fairly small because we were like, okay, it would be someone she encountered. They would probably have a shared grief history felt right. And, and then, you know, the challenge was because of the pace of the storytelling, knowing that it wasn't really going to be until six that the audience would get to see a personal side of it. And um, I, I, I honestly don't even remember when the room thought of having Tom be the hologram um, but I just thought Drew did it so beautifully. Yeah. And I thought Peter played it really just, again, understated, like not, you know, not like, yeah, this is where my wife and I met. Like, and yeah, it hurts, but it's not like bawling, sobbing, bawling, you know, it's just another human right. moment. But I just, it that was one of those ideas. I remember when the we were first talking about it, that was, there are two things in this episode, I think Drew and Eliza and Peter and everyone pulled off that were pretty, pretty, you know, tip my cap. The first was getting Tom to be a hologram in a way that like, I actually like, I bought it. I bought it. I didn't mind it. And I, I, I appreciated it. Like I, I didn't know I wanted to see it until I saw it. <clears throat> and the other thing was coming up with a way that I would believe that Ben Song would say to her that he's a time like, which is, you know, to, I, I, it's such a pet peeve of mine that like people like spill these big secrets for not very big reasons, but like to force the way Drew built it to force Ben into a corner of like Hannah is inadvertently going to deliver this to the Nazis. <laughs> like there is, and I don't remember if she actually says it or not, but more or less says there's nothing you can do to stop me. Right. right. So there's later yeah. like, well, like there's one thing that you might not be expecting. Um, and what I love, <laughs> what I think so remarkable about that though, if you think about it is it, it's also because of Hannah as a character that that works. Like you see someone else, you know, we've seen this one plenty of times, like, oh, you did it. They, they don't believe it. They storm out. They spend two scenes. They think about it. Oh my God, you're right. But the way Drew set it up and the pace did, and the desperation and then the performances like i i really i found myself believing that hannah would believe i and mean that's 
I mean, that was when we went over the season, I remember I was like, that's going to be hard. I think we'll give this one to Drew. Like, I, was also, <laughs> I was also concerned that I was on set. I was, it was like, I really hope Eliza and Ray can sell this because this it's a, it is a huge turn. And they, they both sell it beautifully. But also, I, I, one of my favorite moments of the episode is when she's adjusted to it, she's like, how long are you here for? Like, she just, it's like a complete gag at a certain point because she's just already in planning mode. You know, and you're like, let's just figure out, like, let's make sense of it. But, but back to, to the, you know, Tom for a second, you know, it's funny, TV writing, because I was working, I worked with a, a researcher on this episode, and it's funny how the science and the sciences and the TV writing, this interesting overlaps. One of them is like scientists share information to encourage further studies and breakthroughs in their community. And in, in our TV, like think tank environment of a writer's room, everybody's work builds to the next person's work and we, and we build off of whatever comes before, right? So for example, in 204, there's this beautiful bit of character work on, on Tom. And I believe some of the stuff that Dean put in the script where he's, you're getting a, this philosophical vibe from him and how this notion of sacrifice is intrinsic to quantum leap. And it's a very, like, he's a very stable, very capable guy. So when we get to the mid, when I realized we get to six, I'm like, oh, we're in the middle of the season. So at that point, it feels like the right time to go, okay, what does someone this capable and this unflappable in the world's most awkward situation, which it is like you're mm -hmm. with your girlfriend or seemingly dead fiance in, in the past, what is under the surface of that? And so finding a way to get it in the way it felt right for Tom, who's, who's a very, you know, very controlled guy was a fun challenge for the story, but it also gave us another color to the leap, right? Which is that as exciting as it is for Ben, as exciting as it is for Hannah, it, there's a bittersweet nature to it for Tom because the better the memory, the harder it is when you lose somebody, right? So it's a beautiful, it was a beautiful place for him too, but it, it hurts now a little bit and it, it's something that catches up with him. And it, and it also gave Caitlin something new to play too, which is she's been through so much grief this season, but to see her be the mountain to the weather and that's the, and the, at that point in the story and to really emotionally be there be available and be patient with someone getting someplace on their own. It just, it just, it fueled the story both for a plot of like, why would we need Tom to go in there? but it, it adds something emotionally to the whole episode as well. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I love is when you, when Tom comes out of the imaging chamber and he says, I miss my wife today. I mean, it, it, it got me emotional, both, you know, or three, all three, I guess all three times I've seen it now. And I love that Addison's response is, you know, it's complicated and it's messy and, you know, that, that it's not, Oh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Everything's going to be all right. It's not, you know, there's no easy fix. Like it's just this, it's instead it's this acceptance and this admission of like, yeah, this is really fucked up, but it's going to, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to work on it. Um, and I'm going to be here for you and I'm going to support you. And, 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 and I, I just really enjoyed that, you know, going back real quick to the moment with Ben's reveal that he's a time traveler. I, I ended up getting my notes out because I wanted to, um, you know, just for credibility's sake. But the thing that I wrote down is I, you can't see it. I wrote down fucking magical, um, <laughs> because I do, I think that the scene, I think that the scene works so beautifully well. And it just, the, the, the tension, the buildup, you know, she's leaving, she's taking these notes and, 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 you know, we know what the stakes are, right. You know, I mean, we've been told how awful this is going to turn out and for him to just sit there and say, you know, agent Robert cook and the reaction and everything that comes after it, it, it works so incredibly well. And one of the things, Eliza, that I love about it, and, and we see this multiple times with Hannah is like her mind is working so fast right like they're like it's always working and she's always thinking about these things 
what's what's it like to kind of get into that headspace of someone who is clearly connecting the dots you know not just like two times faster but maybe three or four times faster than you know the next person in the room oh definitely three or time four times faster than me i um (laughs) (laughs) she's like she's smart as a whip and it's like it's it's so fun to play but it's you know i mean getting that um getting into that mode and especially with Ray or with Ben, who is also like, um, who is on her level. And so when those guys are got like are figuring something out, it's so simpatico. It's just like, it's like bang. And then we'll do this and this and this. And it's this beautiful, like, you know, um, rhythm that they have, um, you know, that took a lot of rehearsing and like, um, Ray and I spent a lot of time on it off, off camera like we spent when we were filming those scenes we spent our entire lunch break just um on set going over it without anyone around so we could just um be ready you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. um for when the crew walked in um but it was so fun it was like it was like rehearsing a play in a in a lot of ways um that day it was you know there there were so many beats and so many um uh, gear changes, um, that we had to nail down, um, to make it engaging, you know, and not to not just be like a transfer of information or an information overload for everybody else. (laughs) Um, so that was so much fun. And I don't know that I've ever, um, rehearsed something like that or had the time to, to really get it right. And so when I got to watch it, I was really proud of what we, put out there and yeah it was super cool it, was, yeah. I mean, it's I, it, it really works and again it's lovely it's like a seven page scene but i mean it's, it's broken over two acts but it's like seven pages and and our amazing director pamela romanowski was like we're gonna have to block shoot this so all the prep eliza's talking about we got to watch it on set because we ran it from beginning to end every take they just ran it again and again you know and so you're watching it, it really did feel like you're watching a play because like that's way longer than a traditional scene. I mean, it's it's two scenes, but it's really one. And so they they were so down, and the choreography and the movement, and everything was. It, it's a very complex scene with big turns, and I am exceptionally proud of both of them because they really, it, it, the way it builds and the score, everything about that moment is is as special as, as it should be because they just absolutely delivered. Yeah, I, I completely agree. One of the things I think is really great about that scene. And I think my hope is, I think all of our hope is that after the season's over, you know, like people will sort of, when they rewatch it, they'll find that there's more and more like philosophical stuff in here um, by design. But, you know, all of us have had the experience of meeting certain people in our lives and having this incredible connection, right? And, and people will throw around the word soulmate. So, and let's say Ben and Addison are soulmates. For example, like in the in their ah! when they meet. Um, ah! So if Ben and Addison are soulmates in that way, a soulmate is a person who makes your sort of the universe make sense to you. And I think when Hannah meets a time traveler, in a way, it makes the universe make sense to her. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like she's had this feeling her whole life. That they're like she's you know she's always thought there's more going on she's always believed we're deeper connections she probably you know like she's probably turns into a big string theory person like 
she's aware of all these connections, but now all of a sudden, here's someone who tells you. And, and I, it's, it's something we thought about a lot. Like, what? how would you look at the world? I remember reading an article once on how would you look at life if you knew there was a life after this? Like, if it was, if it was certain, how different would you look at? And I think that's the... It's one of those pieces of information, but my point of all this being, it allows Ben and Hannah to be a different kind of soulmate. Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, and I think that's what Drew wrote so beautifully, and that's what they played so beautifully. Yeah, it's re it's really interesting. I I'm glad that you know it's funny because when you first started talking about that, I thought that you were going to kind of put the focus on Ben and like what Ben needed. But I love the fact that you didn't. That you were talking about Hannah and, and, and kind of what Hannah needs, and and her, you know the way that Ben kind of helps her see the world, you know, and, and make it make sense for her. Because at the same time, like you know, Ben, what he needs, and I think what he gets from Hannah is it, it's a little bit different, right? Like it's it's this idea that like I can still connect with another human being. Um, which is which is incredible. One of the things that is so incredibly lovely, and, and Drew, you mentioned score a second ago, and, and I'll go ahead and throw this to you first, Dean, is that I, I don't know if this is what it's called, but I'm calling it that and have been calling it that since Closure Encounters is Hannah's theme. And whenever we see Hannah, or certainly in, in Secret History, when we see Hannah in an important moment, that piece of music that plays is much like the scene fucking magical as far as I'm concerned. Um, can you, can you talk a little bit about that piece? I mean, what I can talk about is that our composer, Daniel James Chan is, I mean, he's been our composer from episode one, season one, and all he has to do with his team is score a completely different kind of <laughs> show every week. So I, like I actually, Martin and I, you know, you give notes on everything, and score comes last and we're like, we've almost no notes to give Daniel. Like, it's like, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's almost a running gag between Martin and I of just like how blown away we're it's like, well, he's not going to blow us away again, <laughs> but you know, that I, I think I wouldn't, I don't want to speak for him, but again, the chance to, you can do themes for characters like Hannah. And that's one of the reasons you create characters like Hannah or Tom, you know, like you, these recurring characters, um, but I'm glad you noticed that because the music is, deserves to be recognized on the show. I really wish the score could be somehow. Yeah. I mean, I, I absolutely love it. And it, it reminded me a great deal of a piece of music from the classic series. Actually, there's this, there's this, uh, piece called the leap home suite and it's it, it when sam leaps home at the end of season two spoilers for a show that's been off the air for 30 years um they uh there's this piece of music that plays and it just it, it gets me every time and 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 it's the same thing with you know with hannah's theme it's 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 lovely um eliza what does it feel like to have your own theme <laughs> that was a lovely little surprise that I was not <laughs> expecting, um, but I, I'll take it and it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, I, I like I said, I just I just love it. Um, Drew, um, can you talk a little bit about um, the you know, we, we talked about Tom and, and, and obviously the the, the kind of the role that he plays and, and bringing him in and, and having that terrible, awkward situation between he and Ben, but then kind of like offsetting that with the fact that it's, you know, Tom's there while Ben is also with Hannah. And so it's kind of this interesting dynamic that we've got going on. Obviously Hannah's not aware of Tom, at least not at first. And, and so, you know, that 
the putting the three of them together in the same room and being able to kind of write that scene. Well, we always get to, it's always a fun part of the show, you know, Ben caught between the observer and the, and the person who's really there. And I won't spoil much, but like, you know, there might be, there, there's lots more uh, fun like that coming up <laughs> uh, perhaps, but um, yeah, I mean, I think the fun part of making Tom the observer for the episode is that he's not familiar with working with Ben. He's familiar with the military background. So in a military background, you give an order and somebody does it and, you know, and that Ben's not a soldier at all. And that's a whole other, and he doesn't like him very much. <laughs> it was just a great like way to mix things up and, uh, and also complicate, you know, uh, Hannah's perception of who his professor McCoy is. Cause he's acting very strange at different points. Um, but no, I mean, it, it's, it's always fun to write those, those moments and, and figure out when to lean in more or less. But um, I think uh, we, we do have fun with, you get opportunities with who you have or don't have every episode. So we didn't have Ernie this episode for scheduling purposes. We, you know, there were a bunch of scheduling things that kind of moved pieces around, but what it can give you is opportunities. So the opportunity to have nobody available to go into the imaging chamber was a great element for the story because it forced this weird buddy energy between Ben and the guy who stole his fiance. So, um, and also, you know, if, if you're team Ben and Addison and you don't like Tom very much, that's okay because you can take that journey with Ben and start to see him as somebody else than just, you know, the enemy. Yes. So, um, so it was, it was just a great opportunity to mix things up, which we like to do. And then we also, you know, like to, like to go, go to formula at times too. So it's always, a, it's always fun to mix things up. <laughs> I, well, I just really appreciated the fact too, and you mentioned it is that, you know, Ben really kind of comes around, especially towards the end. And, and I think part of that is because we start to, and, and this happens for the audience as well, because I, I will, absolutely admit it's the first time that I felt like I really saw Tom as a human being. Like I was very intrigued at the end of, of 204 when, when Tom, you know, espouses the theory about quantum leap being sacrificed. Like that was just sort of like, Oh, that's really cool. But this is the first episode where I really felt like I saw Tom, the human. And the wonderful thing that happens is, is that it happens in front of Ben as well. And so I feel like Ben is able to kind of like see this human being as opposed to, you know, the bastard that stole my wife or my, my fiance. And, 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 and I really appreciated that because it, it, it the, the scene's lovely too, um, between, you know, Peter and Raymond. And I, I just think that it's, it's, it's a really great moment there, uh, when they see the tree or when Tom sees the tree, yeah. um, which I really appreciated. Um, speaking of that tree, you, you hid some stuff throughout the course of this episode, didn't you, Drew? Yes, but here's the thing. I'm not going to say who S and D are because everyone has ideas. Some people think <laughs> some people think it's. I, I've heard people say is is it's you know Scott and Dean is it is it Sam and Donna? It's it's whatever you want the S and D to be. But um, it, maybe it's the name initials for podcasters. We don't know. We don't, we'll never know the answer for who <laughs> those people are. But um, <coughs> that's that's time travel. <laughs> Exactly. No, that's, uh, the, it was lovely. I liked it. Uh, um, another thing that you threw in there is I noticed that, uh, uh, Ben gets called future boy at one point, And I'm curious if that was intentional, uh, a little nod to the classic series. No, yes, it was. But also there was a moment where I was toying with the idea of, of, can we show the, the old show future boy on our TV <laughs> from the original? Cause in the original yeah. series, it goes to, you know, but, um, that was in 1957. And you all would have crucified me for it. So I did not put that in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, it's a very, very wise, very wise. The internet can be unkind sometimes. Huge credit <laughs> to the to the writers' room and Drew for knowing that Oppenheimer was going to be a movie that would be a giant hit set in Princeton in the 1950s about nuclear power. Who knew? Right. <laughs> I, I watched the episode and I'm, and I'm like, oh, it looks like we looks like we were inspired by. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things is, I mean, not for nothing, though, there is this wonderful parallel, for instance, between that film and, and in this episode, certainly talking about the nature of uh, atomic energy and, and being used as a weapon. And, 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 and I love the fact that one of the one of the moments that really stands out to me is when Ben rips the page out of the journal and hands it to Hannah. And my expectations were subverted. Because I just thought like, oh, she's going to, you know, hide this page on her person or somewhere or something like that. And maybe it'll fall into the wrong hands and they'll have to get it back or something like that. And instead, she burns it like right away. Um, Eliza, I'll go and throw this to you. I mean, that's a bold that's a bold choice. Can you talk about Hannah's decision to burn the page? Yeah, I mean, it, that's Hannah for you. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, it, it's it's really i think it's really a really beautiful moment because um in within the that scene she's gone from um okay buddy i think you're losing your mind to uh <laughs> to wait you're a time traveler okay um great well how, how can we fix this to i completely trust you and if you're saying that this is going to change the course of time for the absolute worst then I'm in that split second moment, she goes, I'm going to uh, make sure that this never gets into the wrong hands. Um, and I love that about Hannah. You know, I love that she and and her relationship with Ben. I love that um, there is just um, instant trust and knowing between them. Um, and he trusts her. He leaves her with the page, and then and she trusts him on what he on his word and burns it. And I think that that speaks a lot to their relationship. Also, yeah. I, I so admit, I'll be I'll be yeah, just to say real yeah, quick. Please, yeah. I have to give Dean credit for that scene because originally we had like story construction wise, the page was going to go with the journal, and Dean was just like, I don't believe either of them would let it leave that house. So that's why that moment happens mm -hmm. is because we we and and thus. Uh, Hannah has photographic memory um, as a way to keep him alive. That Dean well, guy, he's I mean, got some it, good ideas. Well, no, I mean, again, Drew's idea, I just was, I just was sort of remarking, I feels like I don't believe Hannah would leave with it. I don't believe, like we've, the one, the one thing that these two characters have in common is like this incredible sort of moral compass that, and, and, she but i love it's one thing to write she burns it but like the way eliza does it is just so great just like <laughs> like, like like duh like yeah, yeah i'm burning the most important piece of paper in the world what's what's end yeah <laughs> yeah which is, i mean that's exactly what that scene needed you know? well it is interesting too to think about the fact that it is locked away in her head now like you know like she remembers it whether or not that means anything or not for the future, who knows? But I mean, the fact that she remembers it is pretty cool. Um, one of the, oh, one of the things that I wanted to mention is that like there, in an episode that is filled with so much fun and so much humor and and adventure and action, uh, 
there were some surprisingly moving moments uh, throughout the course of the episode for me. And I mentioned obviously earlier when Tom comes out and, and says, I missed my wife today. I mean, it was just, I, you know, I had to do everything I could not to just crumble. Um, the, you know, the, the other moment, one of the other moments that stands out, of course, is the, is the end of the episode. And I'd love to, Eliza, get your perspective on this first before I ask Drew about it. Uh, it's just, I mean, it's so incredibly lovely. It's, it's as magical as the time travel reveal out of everything that you could ask Ben, you know, you ask what his name is. Um, and it's just, it's beautiful. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that and your perception of it? You know, why Hannah asks that question? Well, I mean, yeah, credit to Drew on this one. Like it, it's just such a beautiful end to the episode. And, um, I, I mean, you know, her asking that question, it's really, you know, out of all the things she could um, find out about the future or, you know, um, what he's done, where he's been, you know, she just, she's falling in love with him. She wants to know who she's falling in love with. That's the most important thing to her in that moment. And I love that. Um but it, shooting that scene on that day was so magical. We, I think it was just like lightning in a bottle. We just, it was one of those perfect yeah. moments where, you know, um, the sun was setting, you know, <laughs> we had that golden hour moment. Um, the crew were all locked in and knew exactly what they were doing. We knew what we were doing and, um, and yeah, we, it just, I think we got it in a couple of takes because we, there, there's very little time for that, that perfect light to be where it was. Um, and I remember after the, the second take, Drew came up to me crying, like <laughs> he was like, that was it. <laughs> so was Pamela. Our director was also crying. We were both not clear for the audience who's watching this. Drew is like six foot seven. Like, <laughs> you would not know looking in the screen. So, like, Eliza, back me up on this. Like, he's a, it's not, it's like, it's, it's, it's he's a, very a gentle giant. I want to make sure you have the picture, right? Yeah, because it's great. I'm going to run, but thank you for letting me be a part of this, Sam. You guys keep going. Oh, yes, of course. Thank you so much, Dean. I really appreciate it. I'm so glad you were here. Eliza, let's do it again for 2-8. Sounds great. Thanks, Dean. I would Dean. love that. <laughs> yeah, I'll just, I'll just real quick say that we had, you know, our amazing DP, Anna Mortagani, was, was very insistent on shooting that scene at the very end of the day. And you normally don't do your most important mm -hmm. scene at the end of the day because you risk running out of time. And she was like, the light will be perfect. And she was so right. We had, like, rips, like, <laughs> reflectors like, running out of frame as the camera turned. It was just one of those things where you have the cast is so dialed in the you know the, the production team is so dialed in and Pamela and I were at the monitor just being like I can't believe we're getting it this right like we're getting it just how it feels at, at its best in our minds we're getting it even better on, on on the day so it's the greatest part of the job right is you you watch someone take something from your imagination and make it real and not just real but you feel something deeper than even you can when you read something you know and I just, I was so happy yeah. with what Ray and, and Eliza were able to bring to that scene. And it really, like, she even brought like a little, like she's talking about electromagnetism, but she's also inviting something deeper. You know, it's, it's a, it's a tricky thing to pull off, <laughs> but they did. And we were just, 
that's the moment that Pamela and I still talk about to this day. It's just like we got real. And there's a lot of magical moments in this episode. It was a very difficult episode to, to pull off. Princeton 50s is not easy. The costumes by Genevieve were amazing. The hair and makeup for H Hannah. Like, you know, one of the first things she said was like, it's an indie movie with a Hitchcock blonde. And Pamela's like, I got it. Let's make that. Let's try and bring that fruition. <laughs> So I think, uh, like, we're, I feel very lucky and fortunate that we had the cast and crew that we did in this episode from ADs to DPs to everything to really realize the best version of it. Because in our, in our minds, it was like making a movie and it has a very sweeping cinematic feel to the whole episode because we had just the best people working on it. So. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, it comes through time and time again, and in this episode specifically, it's it's absolutely true. Um, it it feels it feels big in so many ways, and I I'm, I can't wait to hear what what everyone else thinks about it. Um, obviously, don't want to keep you guys too long, but I do have a couple of quick questions that I want to throw at you real quick. Um, Drew, I want to talk to you about the decision, which I'm sure a lot of fans are going to love, to have Tom in particular as the hologram get to do some hologrammy things um, and move through some walls and some you know. And 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 uh, I do love that he tries to shake Ben's hand as well, um, not once but twice. Um, talk about getting you know getting the opportunity to write some stuff that that we don't always get to see with the holograms. Yeah, I mean that's that's the fun of um, having somebody who's rusty at something is it's it gives you comedy, but it also gives a character room to grow. So whenever someone goes in, you know, and Jen, we've seen it when Jen went in the first time in season one, like it's it, it's a learning curve. It's different. It's weird, but it's also you know you see a little bit of excitement too from from Tom, which is which is different for him because um, he's getting to yeah. literally rediscover his own past. But he's on mission. But he's a hologram. So it's um, whenever someone's he's so he's such a capable, unflappable guy that to show him a little a little bit rusty or bad at something is great. You know, it's it's just something different to play, and then also just to see his in. Ben's working relationship evolved to get to a place where like Ben is listening at the end of the episode to the hologram. It is, you know, trying to take some of these directives to, to, to save the day. It's, it's, it's fun to, to play. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. Um, Eliza, one of the things that I love about Hannah is that throughout the course of this episode, especially she just shows so much agency and, and oftentimes is, you know, pulling Ben out of the frying pan just as much as the reverse could be true. Um, can you talk a little bit about the fact that she is kind of this active heroine in this episode and that she's not just, you know, by any stretch, any kind of damsel in distress or anything like that. And, and we see this intellectual side so often, but we also get to see this more, you know, physically adventurous side of her as well. Yeah, I mean, I that's what I love about uh, playing Hannah is that she's that yeah by no means a damsel in distress. She is she's so switched on and um, uh, yeah, I mean it's it really is a joy to be able to play a woman, especially in that time period, who is so um, going against the grain in every respect. I think that you know one thing that makes Hannah so special is you know she she is more than she appears she's you know she looks the part she's kind of she's very you know put together and beautiful but her what she's got going on under the hood is like next level she is so um quick thinking and funny and um and smart and it it just it, she has so many layers and i love that about her 
Yeah. Well, I mean, even like even something as simple as the use of the Stellarator and, and you know, using it to play the gag on Ben yeah. in the beginning, but then, of course, using it at the end to kind of save the day and, you know, get the sword out of out of Donovan's hand. Uh, it's it, it's lovely. And I just think that, that the, one of the things that comes shining through over the course of this episode, and we saw the seeds of it, quite frankly, in her first appearance, is that playful quality lends itself to this very kind of active, adventurous side as well. Um, and then throughout the course of this episode, you know, that intellectual side shines through, but so does the romantic side a little bit, which is really nice as well, because it's just this, we're, we're you know, we keep getting these new dimensions to the character, um, which I imagine has got to be a lot of fun, right? Yeah, yeah. There's something so open about her. She's open to, um, to a lot of things that people might think impossible. And one of those things is, is as simple as, um, falling in love and finding your person, you know? Um, and uh, she, it's like, she accepts whatever, um, situation she's thrown into with such grace and, and, a, and a sense of humor. Um, and, and I just think that that's so special. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, 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 yes, absolutely. And it, and it, again, it just, it, it really shines through in this episode. And I feel like the, the fact that this is the first time that we really get to see Hannah front and center, it's, it's, it's incredibly successful. It's lovely. And uh, I would be remiss if I also didn't mention one of my favorite moments is when Ben, you know, kind of lets slip that, you know, her research is never going to be published with her name on it. And the, like the shift there is so beautifully done. The, you know, the disappointment and the kind of heartbreak we see in that, just that single little simple moment. I just, I loved it. And I wanted to, to take the, the chance to be able to say that to you. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it's really, I'm, I feel very lucky that I get to, I, I get to play this character and get to have those moments and to show so much light and shade in what is a really, you know, the, I mean, the unique thing about this show is that like every episode is like a movie, you know, and um, there's so much pace to it. There's a beginning, middle and end. And um, and to play a character who spans outside of that and who has so much nuance is really exciting. And I can't wait to read what's coming up next. I really can't. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I, I can imagine. I, I'm, I'm very excited for you. And I'm so glad that you're able to get back to work and talk about this stuff and do all this. And, and I'm just so pleased. And, and, and I, I really, when, when Drew said that you would be joining us, you, you had to pinch me because I almost didn't believe it. So I'm so glad that, <laughs> that you got to be here. Uh, and, and I'm really grateful for that. Um, oh, me too. And uh, Drew, I did want to throw a couple more quick questions your way, uh, if, if you don't mind. Um, the One of the things that we didn't get a chance to talk about uh, at all yet is, of course, the, the story back at the project with Ian and what they're going through back at the project and everything that they're having to navigate. One of the other scenes that was really kind of that one of those emotionally moving moments is seeing Ian and Rachel come together um in the parking garage and as as you know as ian is asking for help and and rachel's response is so lovely because it's set up in a way that almost feels like we're going to get some weird turn you know from rachel or something like that and instead she just simply says i love you and you know there's this there's just this beautiful moment between them um and actually pardon me before i go much further i know that alice uses she they pronouns but I didn't know if the character of Rachel was written to also use she, they pronouns or, or, or she pronouns in this case. Do you know? Currently, currently uh, the, the Rachel character has she pronouns. 
uh, as of now. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Um, thank you for for that clarification. Um, so that moment when when Rachel, you know, tells them, "I I, I love you," and and of course, you know, she's going to help. Um, that that just feels like a big moment, especially with the nature of their relationship that we've seen prior. Can you talk a little bit about that particular scene? Yeah, I mean, we're. I, I think it's sort of a culmination of their story thus far, which is that there's a there's always secrets Ian has kept or reasons to have distance that have, has affected their relationship both in season one and season two. Um, Rachel's clearly more in the fold in season two, but there were things that um, Ian was not sharing that we learned in two hundred four. So. Uh, it felt like this was the time to really show that Ian had learned their lesson and was ready to ready to open up in at the worst possible time, which is I, I'm going to be open and honest with you in a way that can actually put you at risk. So it's the thing you're always asking your partner to do, but it's it's the hardest version of that of, of help. But I think a little a little theme that runs through the episode is that help from person people you care about is is not a weakness, it's a, it's a it's a great thing. So then is asking Hannah for help in a way that McCoy probably didn't and they succeed in their story. And in the story, Ian is asking Rachel for help, even at great risk. And by doing that, they are they have a shot at, at um, outmaneuvering whoever this uh, antagonist, this mysterious antagonist is. So it was great for their journey, but also it kind of, you know, the risk of technology falling in the wrong hands and all, all those things that are happening in the leap is also happening in modern day. So it, it, it fit together nicely, but it was an important step for the two of them to take um, just in their relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and again, I thought that it was, it was done very beautifully. One other thing that I wanted to mention, of course, is that Jen gets some awesome stuff to do throughout the course of the episode in bringing the humor, because I just, I mean, so much of what she does as, as the hologram in this episode is just so humorous. Um, You know, when she pops in and scares Ben, when, you know, she kind of needs Ben's prompting to, you know, it's like, I need your help here. Like, you know, tell me what to do in this situation. Um, And, and, and I just love the fact that, you know, she's, she's written um, not only as comic relief, obviously there's some, some very active stuff she has to do later in the episode, but when kind of approaching, you know, the character of Jen, who hasn't necessarily had a ton to do up to this point in the season and getting to see her kind of in that observer chair. Um, what was your approach to bringing her back in? Cause we hadn't seen her as an observer, of course, since Ben song for the defense. Well, truth be told, uh, originally, Jen was not the hologram of the episode, um, so that's a bit of a scoop. Um, we had a last minute. Originally, Ian was going to win rock paper scissors, and then we had a very last minute scheduling emergency where we did not actually have uh, Mason for for that chunk of the story. Um, so it suddenly switched, mm. and so six and seven sort of swapped around who was on hologram duty a little bit. Originally, the idea was that it would be Ian and Ben bonding over their mutual admiration and love and sort of nerd ah. affection for uh, Einstein and physics and Princeton and holy crap, look where we are. Um, when that came out, and that was a lovely, that would have been really cute to see the two of them, you know, that infectious joy. What it gave us when it became Jen was just a contrast that was really nice, which is that Jen is not exactly from that world. Jen is more you know, cybercrime and, and, you know, hustling and, uh, you know, some, you know, a, a <laughs> shady background gone, gone better. So it just gave us an outsider perspective and more humor um, to play in terms of like, it's, it's a giant steampunk hamster maze. It's not really anything to her other yes. than that. Like, you know, so 
uh, or, or whispering in the hallway when she doesn't have to. So it just it gave us some fun stuff to play. But also, I just thought Nanrissa was super. It, it was a very cute dynamic because even though this is not her world, her seeing Ben in his world, in his dream leap to some degree, it's adorable to her. It's very sweet, and it's yeah. It, she, she is bonding with him over this thing that it's his thing, but she gets to see it through his eyes, which is nice. Yeah, well, it's it's so great that I, I feel like you know it feels for whatever reason more this season. And maybe that's just because we've had fewer episodes and there's been more interaction, but it just feels really nice to see more interaction between the, the folks at the project and Ben, you know, through use of the, the various holograms and stuff. So I've really enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, you, you know, did you know ahead of time that you were writing the kiss between Ben and Hannah? Did you know that that was coming or is that something that you were just like, I'm going to have them kiss? Uh, Caitlin Bassett loves to tease me about this because I've written a kiss in every one of Ben's episodes. <laughs> like he got kissed <laughs> in the episode. He got kissed in the bodyguard episode. Um, I felt like, but know, this is the first time that, but this is the first time that Ben kisses anyone yeah. other than yeah. Addison. That was a question in the room. And I felt strongly that at this point in Ben's journey and in the season that we needed to see him initiate something that he wants. Cause I think the powerful thing about the episode when I watched it is that um, every week he helps someone and, and bonds with them and, and falls into a dynamic with them. But this is an episode where I really feel like you're seeing this unspoken yearning from him and, and Ray underplays it so beautifully. Like that moment in the hallway where you can't tell her that they met before he's desperately yearning for this, this connection as himself, not just as the person he's inhabiting that, Hannah is able to see on some level she is seeing who he is she doesn't know what it means yet she can't put it all together till later but she is recognizing him and to be recognized and be seen um uh is a big deal especially in a in a lonely existence where you're leaping all the time so I just felt like that's the strongest choice for him as our protagonist is that I'm not going to wait I, I want this moment that's so vital and so fleeting um, to matter the most it can. And so that's, that's why it happens. It has to be something that, that Ben feels like he's in a new chapter. And it's not a story we would have told in season one. He was in a committed relationship, you know, but he's also right. at a very, he's at a big point in his, in his life now where he is, he's searching for something, you know, that he's, that he can't have. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's lovely too, because one of the things obviously that we talked a lot about on the podcast or in the classic series in particular was the element of consent and how oftentimes, you know, there was this kind of odd sort of idea of like, well, they don't know that that's not the person that they think they're kissing. But I love the fact, of course, that in, you know, we, Hannah knows that this is someone else, that this has been. And, and I, I love the fact that that was the way that this occurred as opposed to it being some sort of, you know, it's not been taking something, right? Like it's right, not, no, it's not, yeah, it doesn't feel. Not, I mean, yeah. He's not taking advantage of somebody in front of him who thinks he's somebody else. And, um, and also, you know, we're getting, we're, we're getting into a little bit of the emotional reality of what it's like to be this, this time traveling guardian angel, which is that he does have these really intense connections with people. <clears throat> and, um, and then he never sees them again. And that's a very, that's a, that's a hard, hard part of the job is that he can, it's like being an actor, but with real much higher stakes is you have this found family or this found romance, whatever it is, and you're ripped away and, and, and have to go on to the next. And so having a moment where he can just 
talk about what it's like to be him to somebody who knows who he really is, is that's, that's a form of intimacy that, that he doesn't always get to experience. And, um, yeah. And it was just a beautiful moment to get that felt like when I watch that kiss at the end, it feels a little bit like, like the old series, like those, those moments that you could end an episode on, but it feels like it's a huge beat beat for the character because, you know, even in trilogy, I don't think um, Abigail ever knew who he really was. So it's, it's, a, it does no. feel like a new, new territory. Yeah. Well, and one of the things too, that I love about his description of, of, you know, his life now, this is, this is my life is that it's, there's there's some positivity and some optimism to it right like you know you accomplish in a a few short lines of dialogue this lovely thing which is to give us kind of the full scope of ben's feelings on being a leaper yeah it's kind of lonely and this is all i get to do but i get to meet so many wonderful people and i get to do you know and it's it, it it just feels really complete and it doesn't feel like I'm just being left on a, you know, a downer. It doesn't feel like it's all sunshine and roses. It, 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 I really love that that's what we get as opposed to, you know, one, you know, one side or the other. Um, well, I'm just your stock hero and have to love and accept this or, you know, yeah. <laughs> or I'm moody will, and depressed. Give, it's, it's, I'll yeah. give major props on that to director Pamela Romanowski, who directed Leap Day Repeat last season and who did just the most phenomenal job of this episode, both in prep on set. And in the edit that I didn't get to participate in it at all, she cut this thing together so beautifully with our editor Piper. But I, but one piece of direction she gave Ray during that scene was like, because there were tapes that really you were like, oh man, this is so it's such a heavy burden. But she, she had him. She just gave one adjustment where it was just about like it's it is it's mixed. There's a it's beautiful. It's sad, but it's beautiful, you know. And and so it just yeah. it had that little bit of positivity to 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 the performance that you know, gave it one extra color. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, I love that. It's my favorite scene in the episode. The whole episode for all of its fun twists and turns and sword fights and, and magnets, it's all building to a moment (laughs) building the bad ending. So, um, it, it, it feels satisfying to me every time I get to watch it. Yes. Yes. I, 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 and, and with good reason. And, and I love the fact that, you know, we can kind of end here, but like the, the idea that in that particular moment, what you just described is, you know, the writer, the actor, the director, the editor, you know, we talked earlier about the cinematographer, what she had to do with that scene, like that sense of collaboration to accomplish something like that and, and, and accomplish something that's just so beautiful and, and feels like such a wonderful way to close out this, this really beautiful episode. Cause like you said, it's this wonderful adventure. I mean, one of the first comments I made to you after I saw the episode is it's like, I, it's, it's, it's what I would have played in my backyard, you know? Um, and, and, and yet so much more. Um, and, and I, and I really, really appreciate that. And, and it definitely has those four H's. Um, and it just feels like such a wonderful, beautiful place. Again, I hope I'm not making too much of a big deal out of it, but coming after the actor strike, you know, ending, coming with where we are just at this time of year, uh, coming after the last five episodes, it just feels like such as this beautiful kind of like exhale of like, wow, we get to do this. Like even as an audience, right? Like we get to do that. We get to visit this world every week. Um, so kudos to you, to everyone involved. It's a really great episode. Thanks so much. Really appreciate that. And, uh, and again, it, it really was a village and Martin and Dean had, you know, um, they, they've had a, a really tremendous vision for the season and it was really fun to tell this installment of it. Yeah.
I lied. I have one last question. Okay, one last. Somebody will one say last. Why did I not ask this question? <laughs> so in, in 202 in Ben and Teller, there's a moment where Ben knocks down a false wall and uh, gives the impression that, uh, you know, he has these superpowers based off of the reaction around him. And he's just sort of like, oh, Pilates. And it seems to kind of maybe, you know, hint at the fact that like Ben's physical being is in charge here right but of course i think every other episode is pointed to and of course specifically in secret history with the limp and 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 the pain caused from the wound that um mccoy took in normandy uh that that no like he is inhabiting this other person's physical space um can you talk about that and maybe give a definitive answer for 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 viewers that are a little cloudy on that well I agree with your interpretation because I think the boxing episode I wrote in season one definitely leaned into that part of the story, which is like Ben was in the body of an athlete with muscle memory to box. And so he had to learn the moves, but his body would be able to, that he was inhabiting could, could keep up with it. And in 105 in the Western episode, he was an older, older man. And Ben, you know, portray when you see him moving around the town, he's not like a spring chicken. So what I'd say about 202 is that, um, it's a like it's a piece of like like cheap drywall that they even make. I think there's dialogue about how it's not like a full like a real wall. It's just um, right. They, they whatever it's cheap. So like on, on one hand, it's like it's not like a big thick wall. And on second hand, I think like it's to me that moment's less about Ben having like a man's strength and more just like Ben's Ben's mind in that woman's body is saying, "I'm going to freaking do this mm. with a box cutter." That that is it's it's out of character for her more than it's just like wow, you're so powerful. It's more just like Ben is trying to come up with, I think, right. I think he's trying to come up with a, a bullshit excuse for why he's, you know, trying to cut into a wall, but it's also, you know, he's not using a drill. He's using a box cutter on, on drywall. So I'd say it's a, it's a gag, but I think, I don't think it's invalidating the rules. I think it's just, uh, it's what Ben would do. And I, I think, I think grandma could have done it herself had been her idea. That's what I'll say. I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. I'm, 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 I'm completely, yes, you've got me. I'm satisfied. Um, Drew Lindo, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I just want to give you uh, all the credit in the world because, uh, you know, you helped put all of this together today to bring in Dean and Eliza as well. And it means a lot to me and it means a lot to the viewers. And uh, thank you for your work on the episode, but thank you for that as well. Well, thank you for covering our show and, and, uh, and all that you do to, to, embrace the community because it's it's a really i mean i will say that the, the quantum leap the leaper community is just it's an amazing positive play it really carries the spirit of what the the shows have both been about so I, that has been a welcome relief in the dark sorted corners of the internet it's a it's a nice little ray of light so until next time <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I can't wait to see what's next. And uh, thank you so, so much uh, um, for, you know, for bringing all of this to, to, together today to talk about secret history. It's a fantastic episode. I think people are going to just love it. Um, I can't wait to see what JJ Lindell's poster is going to look like. Um, and, uh, um, and, and yeah, it's, it's always such a pleasure, Drew. This is like, I think what, like the fifth time that you've, that you've done the show or something like that. Cause you did a couple yeah, of yeah, times. Yeah, listen, this that, is, so. this is got this should be the last one we should just call it now because it's gonna get it's just i you know yeah and on a high note right it's just just, yeah Yeah. it's just too much but the thing is look is if you keep going then you can you can take the crown from dean never never dean dean's dean's he's got the red rope at the table with the name on on the placard there so you know i'll I'll, I'll (laughs) 
All right. Thank you so much, Sam. Yeah, absolutely. Take care, Drew.